Thanks, folks, for all the downloads this week. We really appreciate it as we're uh, coming up on 200,000 downloads so far for the show. Appreciate your, uh, your listening and uh, chiming in. If there's anything you want to hear on the show, please reach out. Let us know, mark at flyfishing97.com if you have a guest you'd like to hear. Um, we've uh, got a few recommended guests coming your way over the next few weeks. Uh, we've got Rick Pasek coming up next from Fly Life Canada. Rick is pro team at Renome. They make some pretty sweet scissors. Pro team at Airflow Fishing, Ross Reels. He's an author as well, the freshman fly fisher. Uh, used to manage a wholesale sports. Pro team at Semper Fly. Uh, we talk tying, we talk fishing, we talk all things fins with Rick Pasek out of Camrose coming up next. Top 10 cities, thanks for all the downloads this week. Boston was in the number one slot, followed by Manmouth, Illinois. Vernon, B.C., next was Merritt, British Columbia, followed by Appleton, Wisconsin, Paulsba, Washington, uh, Vancouver, B.C., Almsville, Oregon, Calgary, Alberta, and Milford, Connecticut was next. Thanks, folks, for listening. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.thewaitcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company, blog and fishing apparel and accessories check them out online at brokentippet.com you, you, are listening. you are listening you are listening to the fly fishing 97 podcast lots of movement and what i really like about cdc as well is that it captures those little air bubbles and those little fibers right and mm. you get that little sheen from that right so you know, especially when you're doing damsels, I love parking my boat at the weeds, casting away from the weeds, and dry line, CDC damsel, no weight, and just have that thing two inches under the water, slowly creeping back towards the weeds. Oh, just mm. deadly. Just so deadly. So you like to pull those damsels, like, kind of from the deep water to the shallow? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because that's that's how damsel flies uh, uh, work, right? That's a, where a they migrate. Fly. Yeah. Yeah, dragonflies, when they migrate, crawl across the bottom and out. Damsels come up and over, right? So I'm going to mimic what the damselfly does. Like I've it. seen so many, I've videotaped so many damsels just within that six inch, top six inches, right? So, I mean, if that's how they naturally go, that's what I'm going to mimic. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Super happy you chose to join us this time around on the Fly Fish 97 podcast. And we're going to do what we just love to do, can't get enough of, and that's find passionate people in the fly fishing space, seek them out, get their story, the ins and outs, how they got into it, what brings them to the water, and a little bit behind the scenes, on and off the water. We've got Rick Pasek on the line tonight. Rick is out of Camrose, Alberta, Canada. He's with Fly Life Canada Pro Team at Renomed. Uh, makes some pretty sweet scissors, apparently. i got to look into this. Um, pro Team at Airflow Fly Fishing, Ross Reels. Author of The Freshman Fly Fisher. 
Uh, used to run a wholesale sports store, so there's a lot we can talk about. He's also pro team at Semper Fly and now with Stonefoe Vice. Uh, Rick, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So let, let, let's take it back to the beginning, man. So how did this obsession for all things fly fishing start for you? Um, well, I probably started when I was about six years old. Uh, I, uh, I was raised, I was born in, in Calgary, Alberta and, uh, raised here till I was about nine before we moved out to BC. And, uh, as, as far as I can remember back, back until I was five, six years old, I was, uh, on the river with my dad. My dad was a fly fishing freak. So, you know, I was right beside him and, and learning how to, how to do it. And I was fly, started fly fishing about six years old, uh, on the Highwood and Bow River down in South, Southern Alberta. And yeah, that's where it all started. I just kind of, mm. you know, kind of got addicted pretty darn quick and, uh, I'm a, quite an outdoors freak. So it's kind of, you know, it was all, all part of it. Yeah. You're, I mean, I'm looking at your resume, it's pretty deep. You've obviously been, um, you know, there's not many people that kind of make their living in the fly fishing space. I find, I find a lot of people do it as a side hustle, but you're, you're all in by the sounds of it. And I know your day job also, uh, with Alberta Environment and Parks. So you're, you're obviously loving the outdoors. Tell us who's influenced you in your journey. So who have you learned from? Like, obviously you are probably helping a lot of people uh, in your own right with their learning curve, but who helped with your learning curve? Oh, man, there's so many I, I can I can mention, but I think the, the, the few that, are, that really stand out, obviously, like I said, is my father. Uh, my father was a fishing freak, so it didn't matter whether we were fly fishing on, on a river, if we were fly fishing on a lake, or if we were out, uh, we moved out to BC because he wanted to be closer to the ocean to go fishing for salmon. So um, so that was a big one. My dad was always doing something with fishing, something with camping. Um, so that was a big one. I think another really big one, another really big one for me would have been uh, Peter Morrison, uh, who's uh, passed on a few years ago. Uh, he was, he, he was huge for, in my life. So, you know. yeah, Peter, Peter influenced a lot of people, didn't he? Like it, it strikes, I, I do remember Peter cause I did run a fly shop years ago and I remember Peter coming in. I thought, didn't he used to sell like Springbrook flies and sage and he was, uh, well, I was, the reason I, I started with him is I was, I was actually pro staff with his company. And, uh, yeah, he was Sage and Rio and Reddington and, and, uh, Dr. Slick and Renzetti and mm. Bradley smokers and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, he was, he was the, the Western Canadian distributor for all those. So yeah, he was, he, and he, I mean, Peter was the man. I mean, everybody knew Peter, everybody loved Peter. We yeah. went after the trade shows, went over to his house for lobster feasts and Chinese food feasts. And it was great. I mean, he was just such a good guy and always wanting to share and, uh, he was a huge influence on me back then. The funny thing is, you know, I, I'm in my fifties now. I still learn every single day. And one of the guys that influenced me the most right now is Gary Hankey out of Alberta, out yeah. of Edmonton. Yeah. Right. So that, uh, he's, he's, uh, talk about a bag of knowledge. <laughs> that man knows more than I forgot. Well, <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, the other way around, he's forgot more than I know. That's what <laughs> <laughs> that works. There, there's uh it amazes me i mean you got the likes of phil roley out in your neck of the woods alberta absolutely it's a hot spot is it not it is 
No, and and Phil. I mean, back in the day, I, I followed Phil doing everything. Uh, Brian Chan as well. I was on uh, the BC Outdoors Back Roads tour, and I was out there with Phil a couple of times, and with uh, a bunch of other guys. Uh, you know, uh, old timers from uh, back in the day, and you know, and then I, I did uh, an out BC Outdoors show with Brian Chan and with uh, Mike Mitchell and stuff. And yeah, Brian is another one. I mean. I'm heavily into the entomology stuff. And so that's mm-hmm. why Brian, you know, I, it was one of those guys that also really influenced. Actually, my second book is dedicated to, to Brian. So cool. I, and I yeah. love the fact that you're just heavily into entomology because that fascinates me. We could talk about a lot of things tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. We kind of got your background, kind of how you came to find it, kind of who influenced you. Let's let's talk about your, um, you know, your the types of water you're fishing right now. Are you fishing mostly still waters? Or are you still hitting the bow once in a while? What what does your fishing kind of journey these days look like? You know what? If it's wet, I fish it. That's <laughs> that, that that's seriously that's my journey. I I, yeah. I, I plan vacations around hol- uh, my holidays around fishing. So like I'll go to New Orleans and like oh okay where am I going? Oh redfish fishing. Let's go. You know we're going to Mexico and in in. Uh, in the new year here it's like okay where can i go for roosters you know so it's for me it's anything i I would have to say that still waters are probably still my passion Mm -hmm. um i love rivers don't get me wrong i I grew up on rivers and i I love you know the saint mary the uh the bow the old man the highwood there's so many beautiful rivers in alberta but even in bc i mean you got the elk and you got uh, so many the bull you know um but yeah and i'd I'd say if if i had to pick still waters are my are my thing i i love the relaxation of it i love you know hearing the animals the loons you know all that kind of stuff so it's just it's a place to to decompress and get you know get out of your brain right what do you like to fish out of rick i'm curious if you're spending a lot of time on the still are we using like the wide bottom uh you know the new fishing boats that like the marlins the journeys what what are you fishing out of well, I had a Spratly, a 10-foot Spratly for quite a while, and I got rid of that years ago when I moved out here because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to Alberta. It's going to be all, you know, it's all going to be moving water for me. And <laughs> yeah, well, no, nope. <laughs> so I picked up actually a, uh, an old, um, not a fly fisher, but like a harbor, one of those harbor class uh, fly yeah. fishers. Yes. Uh, it's just a little nine-footer, and uh, I just got a center seat put. Like I, I rebuilt the thing and, you know, sealed some little holes and did some welding on aluminum welding and brazing on it because the transom was bent and a few other things. And I had this nice little, uh, you know, 72 pound boat with a center seat and enough room for me, myself and I. That sounds like a perfect fishing craft. Cause I, I, I do find, I have one, uh, you know, I've got a journey and I find it almost needs a trailer and it's, you know what I mean? Like you get, there's yeah. 70 pounds is pretty kind of, that's a sweet spot right there. Yeah, I can throw that thing around like nothing all by myself. And, uh, yeah. I had a 10-foot Spratly, and that was about 130 pounds. And yeah. that was tough to get. Like, I, I put that one up on the roof of my uh, uh, Jeep Cherokee at the time. And that was tough to do alone. It's so you know? hard. This is something that, you know, um, I've been fishing the still for a lot of years also. And it's like, you know, we talk about this on this program. It's that whole evolution of, you remember when the first belly boats came out, the U-boats yeah. and then the pontoons. And now it's, now it's kind of, uh, migrated to these, uh, you know, wide bottom punts, if you will. But yeah. it yeah. really has changed fishing. Like, are, are you a big guy on the, the double anchor setup and, and kind of find For your sure. shoal and park? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I do, I do double anchor. I found, um, since moving out to, to, well, not actually even since moving out to Alberta, even before that, after I competed in the nationals, I, I'm doing a lot more, 
um, lock style, a lot more drift fishing to throw out the drogue and, you know, 30 mile an hour winds, I'm slowing myself down to two, three miles an hour. And, and, and I'm just doing the, the, the lock style drifting, I'd say probably 85% of the time now. Um, the, I used to be a huge anchor guy, but do, now do people look at you on. funny when you're doing that drogue thing. Some people do, unless they know what you're like. I mean, yeah. some of the competitors that I've fished against, uh, fished around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a it's old school stuff in, in Europe, but here it's, it's still, it's catching on. I mean, a lot of the, obviously the competitors, they all know about it, but the average fly fishing dude that goes out on the weekends and stuff they they do look at you a little, what the heck is he doing? Right. So I, I did it. I've only done it once and that was with, uh, um, John Wilkinson out on oh, yeah. uh, Corbett Lake. And, uh, man, I was amazed how effective it was. I, it, it's amazing. It, you know, here in Alberta, we get a lot of really high winds. Uh, I know we do in, in BC too. When I, when I live there, but we really got some high winds here. Uh, the prairies help that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm fishing a couple, couple weeks ago, I was fishing up in uh, central Alberta here at one of my favorite lakes and it was 35, 38 mile an hour winds coming from the North and we were slowing down. We, it took us hours to drift the one shoreline. Right. So, but it that slows you right down. I mean, normally wind is the enemy, right, for fly fishing, but with a drogue, not so much. No, no, it's actually I I I fall in love with the wind. Uh, this new way of fishing, right? Well, new way for us here in North America, mm-hmm. old old school in 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 uh, in England and Scotland, and you know, but uh, it's uh, I'm finding it so effective. I catch way more fish now than I used to under an indicator. So. Interesting. Yeah, way, way more. Now, I'm not saying that the indicator is the wrong way to go. I mean, I, I still do the chronomet thing and the leech thing and the damsel thing under an indicator when I can, right? And, and there's days where I'll outfish a guy doing the drogue thing, but mm-hmm. I'm finding that uh, it's 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 super effective. And here we're allowed three flies too, right? So we right. can play with the setup, right? So, so are you still doing any competitive stuff these days, or what's um? What's that look like? Well, I was supposed to go to the Nationals. I was actually the team, uh, a captain of a team at the Nationals uh, in uh, May. Mm-hmm. And uh, work just got in the way and I had to bail out. And uh, and uh, one of my buddies took over as the as the team captain. So I was supposed to, but... Uh, What's the name of your nope. team? Uh, we did, uh, we, the Surrey Boys, that we called ourselves. Yep. The Surrey Boys, yeah. So Right on. I, uh, I've had quite a few competitive guys on the show and I, I find it fascinating because yeah. for me that's... Um, you guys are um, kind of usually ahead of the curve. And, uh, you know, you talk about drogues, for instance. I bet you 15, 20 years from now, it's normal. I, I, oh, yeah. I haven't, I've never, I've seen, I've never seen anybody fish with a drogue, just being honest, most of the places I go. But, uh, yeah. Hmm. It, you know what? And and I found the, the culture in, since moving out to Alberta, I found the culture in BC and the culture in Alberta are totally different. The stillwater fishermen here and stillwater fishermen there, are, they're just different. I don't know. I, I, I know it sounds weird, but they are. They're is, just. Uh, what? How would you? I, I mean, I want to dig into that. So, what is it? Do you think it's a West Coast thing? Kind of a. I, I think, no, I, I, I think it is because of the the uh, the hanging flies under an indicator um, the, uh, that that have been taught to us in BC for so many decades now from, from guys like Brian and Phil and other guys mm-hmm. have worked so well in BC that guys haven't haven't experimented here a lot of the guys because of the three fly rule experiment right, right? 
Right. There's a lot more experimentation here uh, than and 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 places like the UK and stuff like that, right? So, Hmm. um, but is it wrong? I don't know. I I mean, I caught a ton of fish under the indicator in BC, a ton, right? And 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 the one fly really limits you in BC. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 something that uh, that I think should be changed, right? In in BC, the rules. But uh, I mean, you know, even if even if you if you start talking about that, you know, you get flack from every side. Oh, I uh, I I agree with you. I think it. I think we're behind behind the times on that. I mean, the two rod the two rod thing on your own is kind of nice, but um, sometimes I think it'd just be easier to have a second fly on there. You know. Yeah, and see, in here you're not allowed to have a second rod. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm allowed to have three flies, right? So we do a lot of the more Europe, at least the the guys I hang with. We do a lot more of the European style fly fishing where we're doing washing line techniques and stuff like that, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's just you're able to control your descent better and 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 your, your the level of water that you want to fish and so on and so forth, right? Where with an indicator, yeah, I can stick it at eight feet down and that's that but with the washing line i can be two inches below five feet below and nine feet below right yeah yeah Yeah, you got some got some ground covered there for sure exactly right so it it, it, and it it, it's like it's not that the people in bc are stubborn it's the rules in bc that are yeah that are holding guys back right yeah fair um so i want to get to know your day-to-day a little bit you ready for a few questions designed to get a, a feel for your neck of the woods Let's give her. Let's talk tunes. You 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 strike me as a music guy. So if you're headed to your favorite stretch of still, um, what's playing in the truck? You know what? I am so eclectic when it comes to my music. I listen to practically everything except, and this is saying this from an Albertan now. An Albertan now. I'm I'm still a British Columbia boy, but um, I hate country. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm a metalhead from high school. I'm yeah. a, I'm a Motley Crue, uh, you know, uh, Metallica, that kind of guy yep. at times. But then I'm really start, I'm really liking lately. I'm in, I'm in my fifties now. So I'm really liking some of the really old stuff, you know, the Jefferson airplane, the doors, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, I'm loving this. There's a new band out uh, the last couple of years are called Dawes. Absolutely love them. They're just great mm-hmm. mellow type music. Cool. Um, you know, that's, so it, it depends on the mood I'm in. Um, if I'm hyper, I'll, you know, fire in some Iron Maiden. If I'm chilled, I'll throw in some Dawes or some, you know, yeah. some mellow stuff. It, it depends. So, yeah. yeah. I'm a, I think yeah. also who you're with, right? Sometimes it's like, okay. For, <laughs> do, for sure. Do you want to hear, uh, you know, uh, some early crew or do you want to hear something a little mellower? Right. Well, exactly. It's like, it's like when I go out hunting, I go out hunting with one guy and when we're on our way, the first thing he does, he puts in the frigging tune and he cranks up Metallica so he can destroy every time. <laughs> <laughs> hunting, right. Yeah. And then I go with another guy and it's like, you even, you even reach for the, for the, uh, for the radio and he's, he looks at you sideways, right? Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been there too. It's good to mix it up though. What the heck? I kind of, it, 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 it sets the scene, but I must admit the one thing that I do love is going to the desk destination for me that's almost as important as the fishing that trip to the water with your good buddy totally agree you know what i mean kind of getting a feel for the day and yeah yeah and just chilling and yakking and you know getting getting excited about what you know and and talking tactics where we're going to start all the weather's doing this and you know the weather's been doing this and we're gonna uh, let's start off at the beaver house or let's start over at the shoal you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. yeah all that anticipation 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's that. In- I think that's kind of a hook sometimes for a lot of us. I love that anticipation because you don't know what it's going to be. It could be lights out, or it could be really tough, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, the best fishermen out there. I mean, I, I I tell you right now, one of the guys that I respect the most as as a fisherman is freaking Todd Oshie, and uh, I mean yeah. that man. If he doesn't catch fish, nobody is. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. And, I've had right, him on. and he was great. And he's had bad days. I mean, I, I've I've been around him where he's had two fish in a day, right? So, you know, it, it, we all have hard days. It, yeah. it happens, right? Well, especially in the summer, like right now is kind of like if you can, you know, Cronwood season is one thing. I find maize are popping and just lots of food sources. But as those uh, still waters heat up a little bit, you get those doldrums. It can be pretty tough. Yeah, it can be. Again, that's why the three fly thing is so nice here because you can really play with the depths and with the uh, styles. And, right. you know, I'm fishing a ton, a ton of wet fly, spider type flies nowadays, tons mm. and tons. And they represent so many different creatures. I mean, they can represent a midge. They can, rep- depending on how you tie them, be- it can be a leech. They can be a dragon, a damsel. I mean, so many different things, right? So Yeah, I love it. That's 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 one area I know I need to up my game. I don't fish a lot of wet hackles. Um, oh, tons. I probably yeah. fish 80% now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, let's talk patterns. What What's one pattern right now that you're reaching for in your box a lot? Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. That's such a hard one to a- answer because it depends on the time of year. Sure. Right. Um, I, I would say probably a a cruncher style. I don't know if you know what that is, but a cruncher style pattern, which has just got the uh, little tail, a little uh, sparkle body, uh, yeah. and, and a little wet, ha- wet fly hackle or a dry fly hackle at the front. Just, just simple, just a simple cruncher style is probably mm. what I lean towards the most, but there's times where, you know, I've got a, a CDC damsel and all CDC damsel that I tie that I just absolutely love when the damsels are moving. Right. Yeah. It just depends. Right. Ooh, I like so. the sounds of that CDC. You get a lot of movement. Lots of movement, and what I really like about CDC as well is that it captures those little air bubbles and those little fibers, right? And mm. you get that little sheen from that, right? So, you know, and especially when you're doing damsels, I love parking my boat at the weeds, casting away from the weeds, and dry line, CDC damsel, no weight, and just have that thing two inches under the water, slowly creeping back towards the weeds. Oh, just mm. deadly. So just you're, deadly. So you like to pull those damsels like kind of from the deep water to the shallow? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because that's that's how damsel flies uh, uh, work, right? That's where a they migrate. Fly, yeah. yeah, dragonflies, when they migrate, crawl across the bottom and out. Damsels come up and over, right? So I'm going to mimic what the damselfly does. I like I've that. seen so many. I've videotaped so many damsels just within that six inch, top six inches, right? So, I mean, if that's how they naturally go, that's what I'm going to mimic. It's funny you said that. I was, I just thought of an instance. We were on a lake in BC and we were fishing kind of perpendicular to the drop and we weren't doing any business, but the very moment we cast out into deep and brought it up the shelf, it was lights out. Hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly, we got to, and that's why I think, and you know, we don't need to get heart in depth with entomology here, but I think that's something that, Every fly fisher that's serious about it, you know, not your weekend warrior guy that just wants to go out and have fun and drink a couple of beers, but anybody that's semi-serious, you need to learn the entomology, Yeah. right? Because it, the fish react to the insects and the insects do what they do naturally, right? So you got, if you can learn what the insects do naturally, 
then you can figure out how, when, where, and how to fish for them, fish, right? So, hmm. so. Yeah, 100% agreed. And I think it really helps the tying too. You know, when you see these insects, you know the for stages. Sure. And to me, that's a big part of it. I, Absolutely. I, yeah. I want to talk tying with you because I know that's a big part of what you do. But before we do, um, elk, uh, flames, uh, oilers, um, who, who who do you cheer for when it comes to the world of sports? So as a, as a BC transplant in Alberta, you probably got lots of options. <laughs> um, well, I'll put it to you this way. I stopped watching NHL hockey when the lockout happened back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I think I've watched maybe two full games <laughs> since then. So, And I used to be an NHL freak. I was a Canucks freak at the time. Um, I would say my second favorite uh, NHL team would be the Flames. Yeah. Um, even though I'm closer to Edmonton, um, football. I'm a BC Lions fan, but I my my passion two things is New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. NFL. I'm a hardcore New Orleans Saints fan, like Love nuts it. hardcore. We've gone down to watch them in New Orleans, and yeah, I'm, we're just. The two of us are crazy. We love that city. We love the people and yeah. um, love the team. And the other thing is, and we talked about it a little bit earlier before we got on the call, is I'm a crazy sumo freak. I love watching sumo. Yeah, you man. Know? I, I know nothing about that. How did you get into that? Um, you know what? I, I, I watch a lot of YouTube stuff, a lot of fly tying and a lot of stuff on YouTube. And it just came up and I'm like, oh, we got to watch one. And I watched one. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. So I started watching it and then started reading up on it and, you know, learning the rules and, hmm. you know, and it happens every, uh, every couple of months, they have a 15 day tournament. So right now they're into day 10 of the tournament right now in Nagoya, I think they are. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So I just, yeah, I, I don't I'll, know. I just, I'll check it cool. out. I've never, ever watched it for a minute. Um, <laughs> but I do watch a lot of NFL. How's your quarterback situation down there? Uh, not good after uh, ever since Breeze left. It's been one of those, yeah. uh, right? But you got yeah, Wins- Winston. Winston got his eyes yeah. eyes fixed, so he's not going to throw as many interceptions. <laughs> he, he, I, that guy's got some upside in my mind. I don't think he's realized his potential yet for some oh, reason. Oh, he's he's a phenomenal player. He's a yeah. hell of an athlete. But I'm I'm I'll be honest with you from from my perspective as a, as an NF as a, as a um, Saints fan, I'm I'm worried about his knees. He, he's he had a major reconstruction and now he had it again last year. And mm. I'm a little worried about uh, his knees if he can hold out. So who, who, what's but, the guy's name that does all the running there that throws once in a while? Um, oh, Kamara. No, no, no. Sorry, oh, you're, you're a quarterback. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah. Is he still there? Yeah, Taysom's there, yeah. but they've uh, they've now relegated him. He said no, no more. You're, you're not quarterback. Period. You're you're no longer that uh, switchblade player. You, he's going to be a tight end. Period. Is that right? Yeah, he, he's they, an interesting cat. That guy. He he can run. Oh yeah, he's he, and he's a hell of a. Uh, he's a good. He's a decent quarterback. He makes some some silly mistakes, but uh, he's also young in the in the quarterback sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But, fair. Uh, well, yeah, and he, we'll he learned from one of the best too. So that uh, absolutely, you know. yeah. So I mean, I, I'd be nice to have Breeze back, but uh, I mean, he he was he was at the end of his career. He was done. So I think it's time to kind of wish they would have. And, and, and this is not a popular one, but I kind of wish they would have went after Baker Mayfield. I think he's got an upside too if you can yeah, uh, if agree. you can rein him in, right? So but. yeah, yeah, for sure. Where did he he's in uh, Carolina. He's, he yeah, he's with our enemy. With Carolina, <laughs> the South's yeah, yeah. going to be good. All yeah. right, um, <laughs> let's talk um, lessons learned. So, 
why do you why do you spend all this time on the water? Why what does it bring into your world this fly fishing thing? You know, it used to be because I want a lot of it was competition with my buddies and stuff like that. You know, when you were young and dumb and competitive and stuff, it was like oh, I got to outfish my buddies and I got the biggest fish and all that and learning too. I'm a learning freak. I, I I'm I I don't watch a lot of TV shows. I watch documentaries going out to out the yin yang and I watch a lot of fly tying and fly fishing videos and and stuff. So learning is one. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it, it's just so much stress in life it's just nice to just get away just i don't care honestly i know i can catch fish anytime i want i don't care if i catch fish i just want to get out and enjoy my time alone with my buddies on the water in the bush camping you know yeah just chilling and 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 looking at the beauty that we have around us i mean getting away from the gong show of vancouver and and other places right and getting just away Mm mm-hmm you know, that's, that's my lesson learned. It's just, I'm a, I'm a hyperactive guy. I always have been all my life. I've been a very high energy guy mm-hmm. and it's just one of those times when I'm on the water, it's yeah, just chill, <laughs> nothing, just empty the brain. Yeah. You know, I, I so. get that. Um, how about jobs? Let's talk about jobs, kind of your career. You know, I'm, and I'm talking probably more day jobs here, but you have had some fishing jobs, if you will. Um, what's the best gig you've had so far? You, are you, sounds like you're doing some sumo there. <laughs> no, I just, uh, we, I, I moved in my chair cause I dropped oh. the fly. Oh, you're so. tying. Are you tying right now? No, no, no. I'm just at my tying oh. bench and I yeah, just yeah. dropped the fly down. So I, you know, it amazes me, Rick, how many people I talk to that are sitting at their tying bench when we do these things. That's, and that's exactly where I'm sitting, by the way. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I sit at the, every day, every single day I get home tie a fly and a lot of times i'll be sitting and watching that sumo or something on tv and it's like boink an idea comes in my head i put it on pause i come over and i tie because an idea came up right oh gotta try that so yeah my best my best gig Mm -hmm. i don't know man it it, and again it depends i've I've done so many things in my life i mean i'm a i'm a ticketed millwright and ticketed welder by trade so i worked at sawmills and pulp mills and cement plants and traveled all around north america uh, uh, repairing machinery like down in texas and in quebec and northern alberta and northern bc so i i enjoyed that at, when i was young mm-hmm. um really enjoyed working at at uh, at wholesale sports and at cabela's when i worked there uh i, I love being able to just talk fishing all the time and help people out and and teach and and stuff like that but I have to say, I'm, the job I'm doing now, I'm I'm, I'm really liking it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's nice to be able to travel around the province and get paid for it, and have my fly rod in the back of the truck, and you know, lunch break and coffee break, I can, you know, go fish the Red Deer River or Moose Lake or whatever I want, right? So it's kind of nice. Yeah, it sounds sounds pretty good from here. What what's yeah. the worst job you ever had? Um. <laughs> Probably when I was again, when I was a young man, when I, I, I uh, you know, you have, you have to do anything you can for money when you, when you, when you leave the house, right? So mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was building pallets, uh, and I talk about, uh, yeah, repetitive, boring, physical, crazy, no pay, hardly. I think I got paid fifteen cents a pallet, right? So it was like, uh, yeah, it, w- it wasn't fun, wasn't mm. fun, no. you know. Oh, out in the rain, out in the you know wind. It, that was in Surrey, actually. So it was, uh, huh. yeah, it wasn't the wasn't the greatest job, but yeah, got paid the bills. 
how's your season been so far? Have you been out doing a lot of fishing? Like, have you been, uh, you know, lots of still water? What's, what's, what's this year been like so far for you? Not that great. <laughs> it's been, a, when I've gone out, I've done very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. But I've only had about, I think, eight or nine days on the water this year. It's just been wow. with my with my job. Uh, our our team lead just uh, retired about a year ago, and with the government, it takes a while to to replace somebody. So yeah, pull up the slack, and then with all the rain we've been getting here, and I like I said, I deal with dams and weirs and and back floods and stuff like that. So we have a lot of flooding. So I, I just been running like a chicken with my head cut off. I haven't had haven't haven't really had a chance, but uh, mm-hmm. that'll change in a, in a week. Here I'm going down a going down to the bow and uh i've got a, a buddy to guide down there and he's going to take me for a couple of days he's going to float down the bow with me for a couple of days and yeah so that's that's coming up and then i've got a week planned in uh, september with all my high school buddies they're they're all going to come out here we do it once a year we get together there's about nine of us <laughs> get together for a week once a year and this time they're coming out my way instead of usually like we've been going to knuff and heffley and jacko and badger and you know a bunch of other places tunkwa and roche and you know all that stuff but yeah. this year they're coming my way good sounds like fun okay yeah. so you're sitting in your tying room now i, w- I want to talk tying because i know that you're a big semperfly guy uh i know you love the stone foe uh products talk to me about your setup first off what are you tying on what type of vice uh i'm tying on the stone foe uh transformer so it's the uh it's one that's got, it comes with three different jaws so you just have a little quick release uh thing on the top and you can take out the straight jaw put in the drop jaw take out the drop jaw put in your tube vice jaw right so it's a hmm. it's a nice little uh Nice little vice. Yeah, so it's the Stone Foe Transformer that I'm tying on now. I tied on a Dynaking Barracuda for 25 years. Great little vice. Great vice. Like, I, I like really good vice. But uh, just uh, I changed over to Stone Foe now, and I'm pro staff with them. So yeah. Nice. Did you find – I always find it interesting because I've, I've done that too. I tied on kind of one vice for a lot of years and then made a switch. It takes a little bit of time to kind of get used to it, doesn't it? It does. Um, it's it's definitely a, a, a different vice. The, this this stone foe. I've had it about nine months now, eight months, nine months, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely different. Um, I'm noticing that uh, like with with the uh, smaller flies, I have to use the the, the drop vice or the, the the one that goes down and then comes back up 45 degrees, like your normal vice. Right. Um, for the bigger flies, I have to use the inline because it's got bigger jaws. With the Dyna King, I didn't have to do that because it was just that jaw. You could take anything from an, uh, a 10 aught down to a size 30 in the same jaw. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So no. talk to me about um, bobbins. Are you, are you using the Stone Foe product yeah. there too? Yeah. Using the Stone Foe and then I used, I, I just used some of the, the cheaper ceramic uh, uh, insert bobbins, like the Dr. Slick ones and stuff. But no, the Stone Foe ones is what I've been using lately and absolutely love them. Um, I used the Norvice one, the auto bobbin for quite a few years as well, but I got sick and tired of loading the bobbins, right? So, yeah, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I have some older things that I have to load the bobbins and I don't love it, but, uh, it's, what yeah, you... they're, they're, they're beautiful. Like I love the idea of the auto bobbin, but I mean, I, I just, yeah, the whole unloading them, it, it just drove me nuts. So I know Petitjean has one, an auto bobbin now, but they're like, 200 bucks and then there's a guy back east in eastern canada he also does an auto bobbin i can't remember right right no not right bobbin yep. i can't remember the well, name well i've got that yeah i like the right bobbin that's a good one yeah. so but, but that's uh, the right bobbin is actually quite similar to the stonefall i find and the, sto- yeah. the price on the stonefall is really good 
Yeah, I think the one I'm using here is about 26 bucks, something like that, 28 bucks, yeah. the one I'm using. And then there's a, a next level up one that's about 35 But Is it bright again, red? Uh, the, the one I'm using has got the red pad. And then, yeah. oh, I've got actually all of them. i got the red pad, the black pad. They're all the same. They okay. just have that little red pad, right? So, yeah, no, that's a, it's a good uh, bobbin for sure. Um, yeah. Let's talk, I mean, I, I assume you're using the Semperfly product, like maybe the NanoSilk, or what do you like to use for thread? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I'm a nano silk guy all the way. I mean, I, yes, I am protein with Semperfly, so obviously there's a little bit of bias there. There's no doubt, but um, I love, I think, honestly, and I've, I've said this publicly many times on my videos, I think the, the nano silk, the GSP period type threads are a game changer for us. They're an absolute game changer for for uh, fly tires. I mean, we can, you can crank down. I can bend a three odd hook with Zemper flat with a twelve aught nano silk. Right? Yeah, yeah, I've done that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm you know I've used Uni products for many many years. I know TechStreams got, has got some really good stuff out there right now too. So mm-hmm. I think it's 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 a personal preference, and I I love nano silk. Um, my biggest complaint about any of the GSPs is that they're so damn slippery. Right. So yeah. you really got to be really got to be conscious about using waxes. Right. Because uh, material can get pulled out quite easily with any of those GSP products. So yeah. and they're a little right. tougher to cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why I go with these like I, I, I get the nicer scissors. Right. I'm, I'm again, these renome scissors they are made in Poland. They're a lifetime warranty and lifetime sharpening. So if they ever go dull, I just send them back to Poland. They send them back sharp. Right. And, and, and with, and this is a hint for everybody out there. That's new. Don't try to cut GSBs or nano silks, push through them. Don't cut them. Yeah. Push through. Don't snip. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a good you know. tip. So are, are those like a carbide blade on, on those yeah. scissors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I've, I've got, uh, uh, the fine tipped ones. I've got the nail ones. I've got the bent ones. I've got the six inch long ones. I've got the braided ones, uh, like for cutting braid and stuff. Uh, they're great scissors. They really are. They're, mm. they're, they really are. Uh, they're right up there. In my opinion, the top two scissors on the market right now are these and the copters. Right. Yeah. But again, that's getting into the elite fly tying stuff well most of the guys out there that are just starting out and and even the guys that have been doing it for a while man i mean the loon scissors are just they're they're, they're plenty good the doctor slicks are plenty good right yeah. so many out there i so. I, lo- I use a razor blade and i i find it I, works yeah. great i mean i do have some really high-end scissors too but yeah it's uh it's the right tool for the job right and i think that's a really good piece of advice you said you need to kind of push into the uh the GSPs for sure. Yeah, you just got to push through them. Don't try to snip them, no matter what. Even these brand spanking new high end copters or renomes, you try to snip them and they fray. Done. Yeah. It's it just you can't snip. So, but. tell me about <laughs> RP three fly fishing school. Is that still a thing? You still working? No, on that? no, no. I stopped doing. I stopped doing that quite a while ago because just because I'm moving out here and having to learn a new job and all that yeah. stuff. Now that doesn't mean I, I still teach. Um, Okay. You know, I, I'll, I'll donate classes to, 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 uh, you know, the local fire department for when they're having their auction and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and cool. I still teach and I, and I, you know, my, no matter what I teach and that's what my whole YouTube um, channel is about too, you know, tying, I, I don't do it for any reason. I mean, it's just a lot of work. I mean, putting two to three videos out every week is a ton, a ton of work. Right. So, but I do it to teach. I love teaching people. I love teaching, showing people my passion and helping mm-hmm. them get to where I got. Right. So 
I saw you geared something specifically towards kind of new tires um, recently, which yeah, I, that seems to be kind of a big thing with you, uh, like kind of getting new new people going as well as uh, you know advanced. But um, yeah. where do you think we're at in the world of fly tying? You think it's um, in a pretty good place? It seems to me like there's a lot more people doing it than there used to be. There's, I, I, you know what? I think COVID really kicked that into overdrive. Yeah. Um, I think before COVID, we probably. I can't remember. I know we did a, a, a study here in Canada and to find out how many fishermen we have in Canada, how many fly are those are fly fishermen, then how many of those fly fishermen are fly tires. And it was something like 2.5% total or something like that. It's like a really low number of all fishermen in Canada, right, hmm. are fly tires. But um, no, I think COVID kicked that into overdrive. So many of us were stuck in the house and we're looking for something to do. And, you know, some people took up the hobby of doing puzzles and other grab fly tying stuff and started that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it's gone a long way. Um, I think people are starting to open their eyes to other styles as well. Like uh, it's one of the reasons I started this, uh, my uh, Facebook page called Stillwaters global because I'm inviting people from around the world. I want to know what are you doing in South Africa? What are you doing in Norway? What are you doing in England? What are you doing in Argentina Mm -hmm. and learning tying techniques and fishing techniques from them and then trying those here right if somebody wants to find that uh that's a facebook group yeah it's a facebook group called Stillwaters global right on yeah so yeah and i just like i said i've got people i got like uh gordon vanderspey from uh, from south africa and, and hans van klinken and all the kinds of guys on there right from all over the world and they're putting mm-hmm. in you know, it's cool because it's stuff that we don't get to see every day. They do because in Europe they they share different, right? So, um, hmm. yeah, it's it's cool. You're learning a lot of new techniques, and and I mean, till eight ten years ago, I mean, we didn't hear of a blob or a booby over no. there. They've been using them for forty years. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so, right. Well, I, I I've said this a few times on the show, but my wife and I were over in England in the early nineties. Uh, and I bought a Bob Church um, fly time book, and and there were those patterns are now what I see here, and I'm like, yeah. man, I could have been fishing those things for twenty, thirty years, and I wasn't, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and you know what? Not everything works. I mean, like I know Phil Rowley just did a uh, a partnership with um, uh, Rise Fishes out of out of Great Britain, where they did a trade. They each of them tied, I think, a dozen flies for their area and then sent uh, Phil sent his to England and they, the uh, rise sent his to, to Phil mm-hmm. and they're supposed to fish them here in the season. That's cool. I think it's a great idea. Right. Yeah. And, and let's, let's see how that ends up at the end of the summer here with, with how those English patterns work here. Cause I know I've been tying those English patterns for years and they work like a hot damn here. Mm. So love it. So I, I want to talk about your kind of thought process at the bench. So I, I'm curious cause you're tying, a lot yeah when you like say tonight say tonight you want to sit down and you just want to tie up some patterns do you normally kind of research something go or is it like a variation on a theme are you trying to invent something totally new kind of what what's your thought process when you sit down to tie you know it's a little bit of everything um i i i i'll, I'll be honest i don't think I, how, how do i say this politically correctly i don't think anybody anywhere is creating anything new anymore. We've done that, been there, done that. We're just making alterations 
right? A woolly bugger is a woolly bugger is a woolly bugger. A chronomid is a chronomid is a chronomid. We're just doing alterations of them, right? Right. So I don't think we're really inventing new patterns, new stuff anymore. I mean, even like something as 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 amazing as the pumpkin head, as an example, great fly, but mm-hmm. it's just a woolly bugger, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, it is. Right? Agreed. Uh, a, a great fly. I, I give it to John for putting that 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 color pattern together and all that stuff. Yeah. G- you know, g- great thing. But it's just it's just a wee bugger, right? So I don't know if we if we can create much anymore. So I don't do that, but I do create varieties, right? Like as an example, I just did one um, that I've been tying for a while, and I did a video for it a couple of days ago that's going up on my site, and it's the peeping carry. So it's a carry but a peeping caddis. So it's kind of a mix. Mm. So, um, and I've done really well with it. So I, I, I play around a lot of times and that before I put anything on the video, I'll play and I'll play and I'll play, I'll take them, I'll put them in a, I've got a, a separate little white box here that, that those are my experimental flies. Yeah. I'll go out to a lake. I'll go fish for a weekend, go through all these experimental flies, ones that work. I'll, I'll play with, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep going and, and alter and until I get exactly what I want. Others whoop, just go back to the bench and get cut off. Right. So, mm. so, uh, um, but with that said, my biggest thing when it comes to tying is I look at the insects that I'm trying to mimic and the biggest things is movement, movement, movement i want movement in my fly that's that's the biggest one movement and a silhouette right those are the two biggest things matching the hatch making something look exactly like a damsel is not my thing i've not never been a, a thing right i um, i want something that's going to bring the fish in get their attention yeah. and then that movement is going to drive their 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 uh, uh their instinct right so well, you caught my attention with CDC because you, yeah. you made me start thinking. Yeah, I use Marabou a lot, but maybe I need to use CDC a little more. Um, yeah. and, and it's like we talk about this a lot as the uh, suggestive versus realistic. And yeah, there's a time and a place in clear water, maybe. But I, I'm with you on that. It's like if it doesn't move, if it doesn't look natural, and a lot of these synthetic materials don't move. I mean, no. we can't design something to move better than nature can. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, and I totally agree with you. Like, I, like protein for being a bit protein now for for Zemperfly. It's Zemperfly is all artificial. There's not one natural product. They don't make. That's not their their niche. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use Zemperfly products as a base. Right. But I still, I, I still need that marabou. I need that guinea fowl. I need that yeah. that that jungle cock. I need that that CDC. I need that stuff for exactly like you said, the natural, right? That yeah. the hairsier, the the badger, that all that stuff. You need that natural yeah. look. We can't like Zemperfly makes jungle cock, uh, artificial jungle oh, cock. Interesting. I don't like it. Okay. Right? And and that you know I'm not a big fan of it. And and they all make like a bunch of these companies make it. I don't like it. It's not natural. It doesn't look right. right? Well, so. somebody else pointed out a good thing to me. If everything we're fishing is artificial and we lose those flies, <laughs> is, yep. it, is it going to break down? And I, I never thought of that. I'm like, oh man. So maybe my foam, my foam black ant Chernobyl, chubby Chernobyl, whatever. Yep. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's not that environmentally friendly. You know what I mean? But it's exact. We were we've been talking like that for for 30, 40, 50 years when it comes to, to uh, uh, rubber worms for steelhead and stuff, right? It's the same yeah. the same thing, right? That's, so that's, it's absolutely correct. That stuff doesn't break down. Yeah, so. that's fair comment. 
I, I yeah. It's it's just it's a funny game we play because it's like, you know, I've I've heard it said, okay, like I've actually talked to somebody that were proud that didn't use any animal parts, but then I thought, you know what? Then it's also man-made synthetic. It's not as, you know. Anyway, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I just. <laughs> I find no, it but you've got a really good point. You do, right? I mean, I, I think there's a there's a big place for synthetics. Uh, we 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 don't get that that attraction, that sparkle, that that yeah. that UV. You get their attention stuff, that UV, all that stuff. You don't get that from natural. So, yeah, I, I think there's a place for synthetics. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. they have they've improved my my fishing and my tying mm. tenfold. But there's also a place for the naturals, right? Well, you, you know what you made me think of is like, okay, straggle string or yep. straggle legs. Like, I love that yep. stuff from separate Great. as a body material. And then you put a little bit of marabou or CDC as a tail and you got a, a winning combination. Probably. Oh yeah. Put a, put, put a little bit of a tiny, little bit of a CDC tail, wrap up some of the straggle legs and then put a CDC overwing in the front or a CDC hackle in the front. <laughs> yeah. Lights Get up. that pulsating movement and then that shine. Oh, yeah. Love it. <laughs> So when you're fishing a lot of these patterns, let's say you're fishing damsels, because you, you alluded to kind of anchoring at the weed bed, bringing them in. What kind of, are you fishing damsels normally nymphs on a floating line with fluoro or are you on a sinking line? What, what are you using to bring those in? 99% of the time, full float. Um, every once in a while, I've got uh, my, probably one of my favorite lines. It's it's an airflow uh, type one sink tip, but it's only three feet long. It's just a really short sink tip. Oh, like so it just that. gets you just down like six inches. Um, so I would say if I'm doing damsels as an example, it's either that or a full float. I just want to be in the slime down six inches in, the, in that zone. I want to be from the float, full float down to, to six inches when I'm, when I'm retrieving a damsel dragon, totally different story. Now I love using a type six sink and I love using um, like my, almost all my dragonflies have, uh, foam in them, underbody foam, foam eye, something yep. to, to act almost like the gompfus, right? To, to, to get that, uh, you know, sinking line, short leader, get it, get it right down deep. And then as you pull it, it darts towards the weeds and then it floats back up, right? Yep. Drives the fish nuts, right? So it, it, it all depends what you're doing, right? Are so, you using a very long leader with that damsel retrieve or is it fairly short? I know it, it's definitely longer. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say long, uh, you know, nine to 12 feet, okay. but, uh, yeah, not, not, yeah, I don't, I don't go like the only time I short is if I'm doing stuff deep down, like if I'm doing blobs and fabs and, 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 uh, yeah. floating dragons and things like that. Other than that, I, I like having nine to 15 feet is what I like, but mm -hmm. it, again, it depends on what you're doing. Right. So yeah. And situational for sure. But I really like asking these questions, especially somebody that fishes competitively, and understands the entomology when you're um fishing that i just want to stick with this example if you don't mind rick but nope. say you're fishing nope. the damsel in you know six inches below the surface you've got your nine to 15 foot lead what is that lead is it a tapered lead is it straight floral is it uh, what kind of pound tippet i want to know the ins and outs of what you like to use without giving away too many secrets no no i hey I, I share, I don't, honestly, there's very few things that I hold to myself. There's a couple of patterns I might not share, but other than that, I love sharing. So, um, I'll put it this way in BC, I like using a tapered leader and then an, uh, like a nine foot tapered leader and then add on another three, five, 10 feet, whatever I needed. Right. Uh, here in Alberta, I go with a, uh, about a six foot to nine foot long, uh, um, 
a liter that's about 15 pounds. That's a, just a straight 15 pound maxima or whatever. Yeah. And then I use about a 15 foot uh, liter with my two droppers, right? Because I use a three dropper system here, ah, and I put a uh, okay. and I put a ring. I put a ring there. So now all if if that dropper system uh, the the tags get too short, all I have to do is cut it off at the ring, attach another one, and I'm going again. Right now, so, did you say 15 pound maxima from your fly line? Correct. Yeah, 15 pound. How 20 much? Pound. How much yeah. of that? Oh, are you? How, how much it, of that? It, it it all again. It all depends. It, that that's my that's my 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 uh my anchor section right so it, it, usually about eight feet something like that why and there's a reason behind that because and and yeah i'd have to actually sh- probably show you on a video or in person but right. there's something i learned from gary hanky here is if you've got a, like a nine foot butt section okay now i can have my tippet ring all the way down at my reel and i can take off my i can cut off my tippet ring take my reel, change my reel, attach it back, and I never have to restring it. And my line and my flies and everything are still there. Oh, uh, yeah. That makes right? sense. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's something that he learned um, through competition fishing because Gary, uh, he competed in the uh, Nationals and he was the team captain for uh, our world team that went over to Bosnia. Hmm. Right? So he that's the kind of stuff he learned and he's been teaching me. And it's like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Now you just cut it off at right at the reel. You cut off your tippet right by the tippet ring. You attach your new one. Boom. It's really strong. You just pull it out and go. It's a two minute change instead of a yeah. eight minute change. Right. And, and that's, that's going to make you more effective, have more lines in the water quicker. Right. And especially as a competitor, right? Because yeah. you can only have a couple of rods hooked up. So mm-hmm. oh, just realized, okay, I've got a floating and I got a type three sink. Oh, I really need that sink tip. Okay. Right. Quick change. Right. You, you can't waste time in competition. Right. How big of a role does floral play in your setup? Uh, it does and it doesn't. Um, again, it depends on what I'm doing. I'm probably using floral 50, 50, uh, no, a bit more than that, maybe 60, 40. Um, so I, I do use it quite a bit, um, for my, my, my tippet section with my, my droppers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a go-to? It, like, are you like cigar, cigar, um, cigar, red label is what I really like. Um, okay. but we can get local. If I had the money to do whatever I wanted to do, I'd be getting Stroft out of out of uh, uh, Germany. I don't know that one. Okay. Yeah, Stroft, and then there's another one. I can't remember the other one. Gary like the, always uses out of Italy. Okay. But yeah, but we get the it, frogs hair and all that, and and I just find some of those ones that get super fine. I just don't like knotting them. I don't like their knot yeah. strength. I don't like how it, it it if you're tying a loop knot. I don't like how it sits and it coils. Yeah. Well, and I, and I used frog hair for a few years and, and I stopped using it because I found it broke easy. Um, I used to use reel all the time. Like, I mean, all the time. Stopped using that a few years ago because I found the quality had gone down. I've heard the quality has gone back up again now. So hmm. that's a good thing. I, I, I'm happy about that because Rio is a good product. But my way of looking at it, I'm German and I'm cheap. <laughs> so I look at it this way. If I can buy a 250 yard spool of cigar red label for 10, well, $19. Yeah. And then I have to buy these little 30 yard spools from whoever, it doesn't matter who it is. Scientific angler, Rio, it doesn't matter for $10. Why would I do that? <laughs> right. So yeah. I don't buy the little spools anymore. And cigar red label is phenomenal. I've never, I'm, I'm catching double digit tigers here on it. So right? you'll, you'll laugh. 
Rick, I I use Cigar Red Label all the time, but it, lately, and I take some flack for this, I've been using some Berkeley Vanish, um, and I, I know that it's not the finest diameter, but I love the way it knots. And You know what? I used Berkeley Vanish for years on my gear rod. Like when I was chucking spinners and stuff, yeah. I love Berkeley Vanish. It's great stuff for, for the, like a do a tippet type thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, we're shooting, like I'm fishing still waters in interior BC for 99% of my fishing. So we're fishing like straight eight uh, fluoro and then, you know, down to, if we're fishing chronomids, a small swivel and, and maybe down to four pound, right? But uh Anyway, it's uh, I, I always get fascinated because for me, I'll, I'll be sitting beside a buddy who's kicking my butt using the exact same fly in the same depth, and then it's like, I I think it I think it's amazing how often it comes down to the leader material, the type we're using, how long the leader is. There's so many variables, right? It's not just the fly. It it, it, it can be. I agree with you. The, the the fish, especially again in these BC BC uh, uh, very clear still water uh, still waters that we have there in BC, they can get leader shy pretty darn quick. Here, I've noticed it doesn't matter. I use I, I'm tying ten pound uh, uh, tippets right now. That's what I'm using is ten pound with ten pound droppers all the way down. Wow. And I don't get any less fish than they do with eight pound or six pound or four pound was that right See, but, that, that wouldn't work here i don't think no 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 i agree with you in those in those super gin clear waters we the the lakes that i'm fishing here are not tea stained but they're not clear they're kind of in yeah. between yeah. so it's not as big of a deal here that being said there's a huge difference between there and here too these fish here are minnow feeders they're chase yeah. minnows all day long right so they're they don't have time to inspect the coronamid they just go for those minnows and stuff they <laughs> hammer right they like the meat yeah yeah right so there's a difference right so yeah. um but again that's the type of thing a fly fisher and most of the more senior guys know this you just you, you got to be ready to change up depending on water clarity and 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 and, and you know how how leader shy fish are and stuff right you, you, you got to be ready we're chatting today with Rick Pasick out of Camrose, Alberta, Canada. He's with Fly Life Canada Pro Team at Renomed Pro Team with Airflow and Ross Reels, uh, author. Um, we should talk about your books probably a little bit. We haven't even got there yet. Um, <laughs> Pro Team at Semperfly, Stone Foe Vice, and uh, also currently with uh, Alberta Environments and Parks. Environment, what is that? Alberta Ministry of Environment and Parks? Would that be? Yeah, Ministry of Environment and Parks. Yeah, I'm at the environment end. So cool. So, and you say you've been real busy with obviously, we've had some high water early in the spring and you've been, uh, yeah, we're still, we're still chasing the water. It's, uh, we've had these, these, we had, uh, uh, well, we had a one rainstorm with 80 mil, another rainstorm with about 60 mil. We've had about 400 mil here. So it's, uh, for Alberta, that's a lot, right? So, yeah, but, uh, amen. That yeah. is a lot, and and I'm sure it goes from extreme low. I mean, low and clear to high with something like that moving through. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like last year, we were like we operated our, our our dams and our gates here for like a week and a half, and that was it. And we were we were into drought right for the rest of the year. Do you, is that <laughs> silly question? But is there a lot of stress in that? I would imagine there'd be somewhat. There's probably some stressful situations where you're kind of like, okay, I got to figure out whether we need to raise this or. It, 
It, it can be. I mean, especially on some of the systems I'm dealing with. Uh, we've got some uh, picky sta- stakeholders that are, you know, uh, not too happy about, you know, having too much water on their land. And then last year they were not happy about not having enough water on their land because we back flood them for a couple of weeks. So it gives uh, 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 nutrients for their hay and stuff. And sure. last year we couldn't. So they were mad. This year there's too much water. So some of their hay is dying and they're mad. So, yeah, it can be. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've yeah. got when you got lots of different people involved, low lying areas. I'm sure because we we've been dealing with that here uh, this yeah. spring with uh, you know basically letting the dams go and how much water's going through. You hear it yeah. if you let too much through, you know where it starts flooding at the low end. So you can't yeah. you can't win with that, right? Well, and we also, I mean, down south we've got a lot of. Uh, I mean, we've got some blue ribbon, high class, world class rivers down south, the Bowen, the Highwood, and the Old Man, and the Saint Mary, and stuff. And they're affected by that runoff and by how the dams are being released, and yeah. you know, and how much water they have to release. And I mean, stuff's getting. Uh, it was ugly this this spring. It was getting. It, we were getting some flooding in Calgary again and stuff because of this rain. We had so much rain here, yeah. right? Like I'm used to it from the coast, but. They're not used to that here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to dig into the entomology a little bit. So I, I know, tell me about, um, like, what's the biggest thing that studying the entomology brings to you and, and kind of what are your takeaways of digging, doing a deep dive into the insects? Well, I, I, I kind of hinted at it. Well, I didn't hint at it. I was saying it earlier. It's, it's, it's the study of bugs, the entomology end of it, I think is absolutely cornerstone key to a fly fishing fly fisherman it's just, you, you gotta know how the fish react to their feed source right to their food source right so and, and it's the same with anything you take in hunting i mean i know that deer come out in the morning and deer come out in the evening to go out into the canola fields or the hay fields or the barley fields to go and feed and i mean i set up where they're coming out and it's the same with this you you need to know the life cycle and the, the the behavior patterns of the insects, because the fish will revolve around their food. That's just it, that's what they do, right? Are you a big believer in the solenoid tables? And sorry, which in the solenoid tables, like um, yeah, yeah, at times, I, I, yes and no. I think fish feed when they feed. <laughs> you know, I think they take opportunity, especially rivers. Uh, still waters is a little different. I definitely believe in it more rivers. Mm. Not as much yeah. rivers, something floats by you. You don't know if there's going to be something again today, so you better <laughs> go out and get it. Right. Yeah. That's well verbalized. You got to be a right. little more opportunistic. Yeah, for, for sure. Right. If something comes by, they, they, there's not very often that if you can put something in front of a fish in their still in a, in a moving water that they won't take it or at least try to take it still water is a little different they got more time um they they, they they're definitely a lot more um susceptible to barometric pressures and rainstorms and all just all that stuff right Uh, moon cycles everything they're a lot more susceptible in in the still waters so so Hmm. it depends where i'm fishing yes and i definitely believe in it when it comes out to ocean fishing absolutely tidal and 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 and, uh, moon cycles and all that stuff absolutely Totally believe in it for for ocean fishing. I want you to take us through your perfect day. Like if if you were heading out to your favorite still water locally, or you know wherever you want to be, it's a blank canvas here. Uh, paint us a picture of what that looks like. Kind of what what, what species are you fishing for? Are you are you fishing dries? Are you is there something cold to drink at the end of the day? Walk us through that um, that day a bit. You know I'm pretty easy going when it comes to it. I uh, my, I'd say. 
if I had to pick a perfect day for myself, it probably would be one of two, either going to a nice still water um, that I know or don't know. I don't, I, I love going to ones I don't know and learning, but just to chill, go to a lake that I know, you know, by myself. Um, I love going with my buddies as well, but that's, that's a different experience. I, I just love going, going somewhere alone, experimenting, playing, trying out new things on the water. Um, the first thing I do when I get to, to, a, to a lake, a uh, new lake or not, is I take a look in the shoreline, I dig through the mud, I dig through the reeds, I take a look what's what's moving, what's hatching, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, for me, it's a lot of it's just playing around, chilling. And, and like I said, if I catch fish, it's great. If I don't, I don't. I, I like experimenting and trying to find new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think for me, that's, that's a perfect day for me. Um, and when it comes to, uh, you know, I, I'm not much of a drinker, never have been. I was, mm-hmm. uh, the, the one of the things I don't, I just never have done, but yeah, good German beer. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I can get a nice, nice, good German beer and what's sit on back ice cold. What's on the grill? anything i'm fat i love food <laughs> <laughs> i'm a i'm actually at my wife and i we read a, a, a facebook fl- uh, page a foodie page right we have for many many oh, years okay cool. we, we just love food so um I, I, it can be korean food it can be sushi it can be chinese food it can be german rouladen and it can be a steak it can hmm. now i got all my teeth taken out about six months ago and I got false teeth now and steak sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I bet that's a challenge. It, you know, a lot of stuff's a challenge. I think the most challenging thing right now, believe it or not, and it's one of my favorite, it's a damn hot dog. Really? Yeah. They're a bugger. I can eat the hot dog, but eating the bun and the uh, dog, it's yeah, tough. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite. I'd say, I'd say if I had to pick, I think that'd be my, my ultimate after fishing offshore Nice, good old stanky hot dog and just, yeah, yeah, load her up with chili and, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good stuff. I love it. Don't eat fish, though. Uh, You know what? I don't either, really. Not a lot. I'll have the odd salmon, but definitely not trout. I, I, I just never, not that I've never had good trout, but I just, I don't, I don't like the taste of it. I don't know why. Yeah. And that's what I am. Salmon and trout, I don't like it. You can give me tuna and I can, oh, salmon raw. Oh, I'd pig out on that all day. But, um, yeah, t- as soon as you cook trout or salmon, it just changes the flavor for me. So I don't like it. I was at a restaurant the other day and we had smoked swordfish. Man. Oh, that, yummy. Oh, it was good. Yeah. 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 You want really good stuff. Go to, um, uh, Tojo's downtown. It's a sushi restaurant. And, uh, he's the guy actually that invented the California roll. And, really? um, yeah. And he's, um, he's, um, what, uh, what the heck is what the smoked sable fish? Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so. <laughs> I could tell you're a foodie. You seem to you're getting. Oh yeah, excited. no big time. We, I love it. We uh, love our food. That we 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 again. That's another thing we we arrange our vacations around is food, right? Oh, where's the best? Like we went to Cuba one year. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't do that again. <laughs> love <laughs> Cuba, but the food sucks. Yeah, I've heard that from other people. Um, yeah, but the but the were you chasing bonefish? What were you chasing there? You know what? We just went down for a week long and just to chill. I brought my fly rod with me, and I only went out one day. But I got sicker than a dog down there. I was in the in the, mm. I was at the doctor's office getting shots, and I was mm. I don't know I was sicker than a dog for like three days. So that killed half the vacation. So, hmm. yeah, so where's a, where's on your list these days, Rick? Like, if is there any trips you got? I know you've got some local stuff going on, but maybe fast forward to winter. Are you heading somewhere warm? Well, 
going to Mexico um, in uh, in January, so I'm going to see if I can chase some. Uh, I know I can chase some snook for sure, but I'm hoping to get into some uh, some roosters. Is what I'd really like. It's on my bucket list. So I love it. Um, yeah, that's on my bucket. And then uh, yeah, the yeah, next five years or so, I've got a few other things I'd like to do. I'd I'd love to get down to uh, the Zambezi uh, and go and fish for tigers, mm. tiger fish. Um, that's uh, that's a big one in Manchir as well, out of India. That's another big one. So. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it's endless, isn't it? Oh, it is. I mean, I can time in in in, in, in Mongolia, yeah. a, a peacock bass down in Central America. I keep going. Yeah, <laughs> right. I love it. Well, listen, yeah. I I love the fact you you took the time to uh, chat with us today. I, I want to find so if we want to find your YouTube videos because you've got a lot of videos out there on tying, fly fishing in general. What's yeah. your YouTube page? Where do we find yet? Just look me up uh, every everywhere you look, whether it's Facebook, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok. It's all the Fly Fish Fanatic. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you about that name, Fly Fish Fanatic. Did that did that originate in Fly BC, or where did that come from? That uh, that was my, uh, my well, actually my call name on Fly BC for years that I was there all the time. Like I was there all the time it was RP Three Fly Fisher. Okay, okay. Um, but. I always called, I, I don't know, I just started calling myself the fly fish fanatic and it kind of stuck and that's just, uh, yeah, that's just where it's going. And I, and I am, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fly fishing fanatic. I'm nuts about it. So, are you, you know, I, and, uh, are you yeah. selling commercially at all? Like, I mean, if somebody wants to buy no. some patterns, can they reach out no. or is that not what you do? No, I don't do that. I, honestly, I love tying. I actually, I think I like tying as much or more than fishing. Mm-hmm. put it that way I, yeah. I think that's how much i love tying but um i i've always been one of those guys that i don't like doing for a living what i love doing on this <laughs> as a hobby i guided for a few years and i hated it it was a glorified babysitting service i hmm. hated it right so and it started making me not like fishing so i quit doing it and i'm not going to do that with tying so um you know, it's just not, I mean, if, if somebody, you know, call, you know, gets a hold of me on Facebook and says, Hey Rick, that, that, that fly you were tying on, you know, uh, you know, do you mind sending me a couple of, yeah, sure. I, I'll do that. Not a problem. I do that quite often. Right. But I don't sit and tie commercially. No, no, it's just not my thing. So if we want to follow along on your trips, on your patterns, um, is Facebook, Instagram, what's the best place to find you there? Like I said, t- uh, the fly fish fanatic, just that, look up are yeah, you fly talking... fish fanatic or look up my name, either or. So um, if we hashtag Fly Fish Fanatic, that'll be you on Instagram. Yeah, that'll be me. Yeah, there's only one other guy out there, the Fly Fish Fanatic, and he's out of like Arkansas. He actually, um, I won't say stole, but uh, yeah, took over my site there uh, years and years ago. I let it lapse by accident and oh, shoot. lost my lost my site, the Fly Fish Fanatic, with all my content and everything. Wow. So yeah, yeah. it was it was a it was a, a rookie mistake, right? But yeah, it is what it is. So. Yeah, I feel that. Well, hey, listen, I, I love what you're up to. Um, keep up the good work at the tying bench. Um, and uh, I want to follow along some of your patterns and, and your vids on YouTube and whatnot. So thanks again, Rick, for doing this. I, I appreciate your time. No, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much for doing this. Uh, great little chat. We've been chatting today with Rick Pasick out of Camrose, Alberta. Look him up, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, fly fish fanatic you will find him he's with uh, renowned airflow um, check out some of his books the freshman fly fisher i believe was the last one uh, he managed the wholesale sports for a lot of years pro team at semper fly thanks for joining us folks this time around the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com 
Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.